and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. I'm Lindsay Hooper and it's double trouble this week. Look who's back alongside me. Hello, it's me, Kate Borsay. Hurrah, I'm so glad to make a WSL show. I've not been oh. stranded in France. I've not been caught doing up some sun loungers or rescuing a husband that's been uh, caught for speeding. I'm back. <laughs> I didn't know whether you were going to reveal that. Oh, yeah. Good to have you Why back. Why not? Why not? We're all real, aren't we? Uh, we're here to bring you all the action and reaction to a week in women's football, which saw round three of the Continental Cup spring a couple of surprises. Contrasting fortunes as well for British teams in the Champions League. And the announcement of Phil Neville's latest Lionesses squad for this week's record-breaking night at Wembley. Well, in the studio with us today, it's a huge hello to Kieran Tavum. Hello. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Lovely to have you back. Um, I think we should start with where were you this weekend? I was uh, at Lewis FC, lovely, uh, lovely down there at the Dripping Pan. Brilliant name for a stadium. I always like the name, the Dripping Pan. <laughs> and by uh, all accounts, it was dripping. It was. Oh my God, it was relentless. <laughs> I felt so sorry for those players out there. But you know what? Fair play to both sets of players, and also to the over a thousand people that turned up as well. Uh, I thought when I saw that weather, I was like, "There's no way yeah. they're going to get a, a crowd for this one," and and they did. But yeah, down in Lewis for the Athletic, and uh, yeah, nice down there. Always feel welcome. We'll talk more about that in a little while. A couple of great articles from you recently. In fact, you've been outputting lots of quality content for The Athletic, which is always great to read. And what's nice is there are stories there that you wouldn't necessarily know. I think, you know, we've covered women's football for a while, but Kieran is one of the dons of women's football and remembers, you know, decades back rather mm. than us mere years. I love these little gems that you dig out. Like One of my favourites from this week was the Google Translate story with West Ham. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. tell, us, tell us about that for those who aren't reading The Athletic yet. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's no denying that I, I never, and I, I say this all the time, we don't suggest that what we do is better. We just say that what we do is different. Um, and because we're behind a paywall, we need to try and think a little bit outside the box. So you, you have to think about things that maybe people aren't reading elsewhere. So uh, I pitched the idea to the editors about look, West Ham United have 16 players from overseas. How does a women's club accommodate that? They don't have the resource of a men's team. How do they deal with Cho So Hyun coming from South career or how do they deal with someone like that who doesn't speak the language who doesn't know the culture who is trying to fit into a team with so many different languages around her so I went down to their training ground and, and found out I spoke to the GM I spoke to Matt Beard I spoke to a couple of the players just to find out a little bit about how you settle into a women's team when you have so many different nationalities and and their general manager is essentially wearing a number of different hats he's a taxi driver taking them to the airport he's helping with contracts he's helping them find accommodation helping them open bank accounts it's crazy but those are the sorts of things that we don't necessarily know about and, and the things that I you know I try and go out there and, and write about having been in France for five weeks this summer with the lionesses covering the World Cup I did rely on Google Translate myself and I would say it can be a dangerous territory <laughs> All right, well, lots more great nuggets to come from Kieran and also us, of course, as we talk Continental Cup. We're going to be digesting the Champions League as well, Lindsay, and looking forward to that Lionesses game and catching up with a bit of news on Scotland as well. So let's get cracking. So as Kate mentioned, it was back to the Continental Cup this weekend. We're going to have a closer look in detail, starting with Saturday's matches. Chelsea winning 2-1 at Lewis. Now, despite the weather's best efforts, as Kieran was there <laughs> trying to dodge all the rain, there was a late pitch inspection. The game did go ahead in front of just over, I saw that you tweeted this, just over 1,000 fans. Let's talk about the actual match itself. Chelsea were made to work hard for this victory, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And, and I think 
you know, I've written a piece that's gone out today on The Athletic of how do you prepare to play against a team that you're not expected to beat? And, and that's exactly what, what Lewis had to do. They had to go into a game where no one expected them to win. And, you know, Chelsea scored very early on inside the first 15 minutes through Aaron Cuthbert. And you kind of think when they score that early that it could be the floodgates opening, pardon the pun, based on the weather that was there. But um, do you know what? Lewis responded really, really well. And, um, you know, credit to them. They set up in a slightly different way. They played with five at the back and, and didn't move their wing backs up that much. So so they tried to stifle Chelsea out and out wide. So they had to play through the middle. And, and actually, you know, rather than Chelsea going on to, to extend their lead, it was Lewis that, that levelled it up. And it was a beauty from Katie Rude. It was Rude. brilliant oh from Katie Rude. And it's no mean feat to get one past Carly Telford, is it? And mm, she no. stole it off really bright and off she went. Great pace up the flank, cut back and curled it past Telford. And actually, Katie will be really pleased with that goal as well. You know, for her, definitely one of the highlights of the season so far to be able to do that against such a strong Chelsea side. Yeah, mm. because you, you want to make sure that the game is as close as possible for as long as possible because as I say if Chelsea get a second or third all of a sudden you, you wonder if it could go on to be five or six but that leveller made it a completely different game you know that allowed Lewis to maybe defend a little bit deeper and, and try and catch Chelsea on the, on the counter and it wasn't until what 10 minutes before the end when Magdalena Eriksson uh, was able to get the winner but fair play to, to Faye Baker as well in Lewis's goal she made some outstanding mm. saves over the 90 minutes So a 100% record then for Chelsea in the cup that continues one of the things that I took away from this when you compare the league form is Chelsea having that ability to kill off games that 80th minute winner coming and something that we didn't see we will move on to it later but with Arsenal they, they didn't have that killer touch this week yeah and, and Emma Hayes said it post-match to me uh, she said I think last season we would have drawn this game uh, this is the difference that we've got we're able to see off games and you know she was very very complimentary of Lewis she didn't want to take anything away from them but obviously very pleased to, to get the win and she took that game seriously you know she had nine senior internationals in her starting 11 so she didn't despite the comments that she's she's had about the Continental Cup they don't necessarily relate to the competition itself it's the way that it's scheduled that she has mm. a problem mm. but she, she took it seriously and she put a strong team out we know that there are various chants that go around at the Dripping Pan. We've had Sophie Lawson here, here in the studio, fresh off two visits to Lewis. Um, she was talking about their uh, crowd and actually some really nice messages over social media from Chelsea players to um, Lewis, thanking them for their hospitality and saying what a great game it was. And I thought that is a, a huge compliment that actually, despite the torrential rain and the wind and everything else there, it sounds like both teams had a really good game and really enjoyed themselves. Mm. Just a bit on the atmosphere from you, Kieran, you were a, you were a well travelled man in terms of women's football do you know what it, as I say over a thousand people in, in pretty horrendous weather the, the Lewis fans did make it a good atmosphere and actually when you you see Katie Rue's goal on, on social media you can hear the response when that ball hits the back of the net you know they were enthusiastic they were getting behind the team they did chant and, and shout for 90 minutes they really do get behind their team there's a very big community feel to Lewis you know it's mm. almost that feeling of we're in this together mm. um, and well they and, um, are they're 100% fan owned aren't exactly, they they are in it together exactly so uh, it, it's slightly different you know I, I really enjoy going down there you're made to feel very welcome they make a lot of effort off the, the field the drums as well they didn't have, have drummers this week. oh yeah, they no didn't okay have. fine so they, it's interesting they, so they didn't have the drummers this week and, <laughs> and I think they would have had more people but there is a number of what I'm told is um, bonfire kind of societies and groups down in Lewis they're very proud of their kind of bonfire <laughs> tradition this is a terrific isn't it? and and <laughs> they they had a number unfortunately there were meetings that were taking place on saturday to kind of 
get you know be prepared for bonfire night. So um, people I like the drummers. An athletic article coming. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but so there were there were no drummers there, and there were people missing. And I, and I know that that you know Lewis were maybe a little bit concerned that because of the weather and and obviously with people being in these bonfire societies that uh, maybe they wouldn't they wouldn't be at the game. But as I say, great. The crowd. steel drums and lots of rain perhaps don't mix. Well, maybe it's needless it was a... to say that they missed the fireworks on the pitch. Didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! And one firework that not good news for Chelsea Maria Therese de Tier she tweeted out didn't she last Tuesday so she's got a fractured bone in her leg this is from last week in training now do you know much about what happened in training with this injury because she's saying 2020 I'm coming for you so obviously ruled herself out until at least the new year yeah she's out for 10 to 12 weeks I believe I think it's just a training ground accident and uh, yeah blow for them because um, Maria's had a, a couple of injuries since she's been at Chelsea but you know, she got the the winner against Arsenal a few weeks ago, and and you kind of felt that that might be the thing that springboards her season. And mm. unfortunately, she's gone down with an injury. They're going to lose her for a little while until the new year. And probably one of the few clubs that can manage an injury like that is Chelsea. They've got a big squad and they've got a lot of depth, so I think they'll be okay. But obviously, disappointing for her because she's a good player. I really, I really rate Maria, and uh, I think that they she will be a loss. But I think Chelsea will. Will cope and, and obviously as well we have to factor in that there is a short winter break that comes for the women's season so hopefully that will will give her a few weeks to get better and, and be back after that well here at the offside rule we wish her a very speedy recovery um, one final word on Lewis because it's Christmas coming mm. the countdown is on my partner loves Christmas it's like <sighs> the weeks the days circled on the calendar <laughs> I, love, I love Christmas you too. can become a single share owner for 40, 40 pounds a year yes yeah at Lewis it's not a bad it present if you like your really women's football. It's a really good idea for you, actually. Although you have got a new house to fill with things like uh, extensions and, I don't know, staircases and Yeah, but we don't want any tant. I'd quite like just to have something where I don't have to have something in the house. <laughs> um, right, we'll move on to Aston Villa against Liverpool then. Oh, I don't even know when this win's going to come. I'm looking, you're shaking your head as well, mm. Kieran. Uh, so Saturday's other clash, they did see Liverpool's woes continue. Beaten 2-0 by Villa. Goals from Emma Follis and Emily Syme sealed the three points for the home side. Uh, Follis scoring after just six minutes. And I think that was part of the key that you could tell from the offset, from kickoff, that this is a team, Liverpool, that are just so low in confidence. Yeah, uh, and you're right, I don't know where the wind's coming from and, and I don't know why they're struggling so badly because in my mind they have a good head coach in Vicky Jepsen and that team is better than what they're showing yeah. at the moment uh, in terms of the, the personnel that they've got. I think you're right, I think it comes down to confidence, I think unfortunately off the back of last season and then you know the way they've started this, it, it almost feels like they've forgotten how to win. When I look at the personnel that they have and I look at the head coach that they have, I'm struggling to kind of get a grasp as to why they are performing so poorly and and as I say it was off the back of of last season as well they didn't Mm. have a great season last year either I think it's doubly disappointing when you look at how the men's team is performing and has been performing over the last two or three years I don't know why they can't maybe give them a little bit more resource to try and bring that team back to where they were five years ago where they were winning league titles and in the Champions League I don't think we should take too much from this result though because if you were to compare league form you would take a team that's bottom of effectively the women's Premier League and you look at Aston Villa top of the championship and you'd think that was always going to be a tough ask because Aston Villa their confidence is going to 
be completely in contrast. They've won all of their games so far this season, bar a loss to Durham in the first match day. So you would really have fancied them, I think, just as a neutral coming into this, wouldn't you, to potentially get the win? Yeah, and, and Liverpool lost to Sheffield United in the Continental Cup and they're lower than Aston Villa in the Championship. So uh, it wasn't a surprise, I'll be honest with you. No. I, I saw that fixture and I think a lot of us thought, you know what, Villa will probably win this one. Yeah. Uh, and that's a combination of, as you say, they are flying at the moment. They've got a very informed striker in, in Mel Johnson, who I spoke to uh, up at their training ground a few weeks ago. Mm. Uh, you know, they are brimming with confidence. They're getting a lot of support from the men's side. They've got access to the training ground and facilities that the men have got now. Uh, so they are they are flying and, and I, I dare say we will probably see them in the Super League next year. Let's move on to Sunday then. Uh, Nick Cushing had a few positive takeaways as his Manchester City side earned all three points courtesy of a 2-1 win over Birmingham. Good news for Ellen White. She scored her first goal for the Sky Blues since her summer move, scoring against her former club. After Rachel Williams equalised, Caroline Weir then scored the winner with a goal of the month contender. It was good. Slight frustration from all of us, I think, guys, before we head into this game too much about, you know, and we say this a lot, but the lack of access to match reports, to tables um, to tables yeah I, I don't know what website I managed to pull those tables off the Conti Cup standing it's just the, not at, easy and the no, fact that we're isn't. looking for it speaks volumes yeah. and then also of course watching the games I saw stuff from Manchester United um, I saw Katie Rood's goal for Lewis against Chelsea but it's just so patchy isn't it I had a bit of a dig with Kieran outside at Everton because there was nothing nothing really on their Twitter either but I mean I know it's not just them it's a, it's across the board really that needs to be better but yeah. um, you would hope that you know, we've got to a level now where we can at least get match reports and final scores and things. Yeah. So Ellen White, how did she look and what worked well for her in this one, Kieran? Yeah, I mean, I think that the key thing for Ellen is is minutes. You know, she's coming back off of a off of a bad injury, and and I managed to watch them in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid. I managed to find a stream, and and she, you know, she got some minutes in that game, and then obviously played at the weekend. I think you know she offers a genuine threat. There are few Ellen Whites in this league. Uh, so to have a player like her available again, will it takes defenders' attention away from other players. And it may well be that Ellen isn't necessarily scoring every week, but with defenders focusing on her, it may open up mm. opportunities for other players. And as much as I, I, I like Janine Becky, I've, I've spoken about her before, and I think it's a big year for her, but she's not quite in Ellen's no, league yet. She is, um, and no, yeah. is Ellen looking like she's slotting in seamlessly to, to their system? to the way that they want to play. Yeah, I think Ellen will slot into any system. She's that type of player. Uh, she is known for being one of the hardest workers in whatever team that she's in and, and she will be one of those that, that will find a way to slot in, even if it doesn't necessarily naturally suit her game. But I think Man City will be a good fit for her when you look at the players around her. They will give her that central striker role that will allow her to try and get in the box and get opportunities. And at clubs in the past, notably Arsenal, very, you know, a long time ago, I remember she started up front as a number nine, but towards the end of her career ended up out on the wing and it just didn't suit her. So mm. she will get the number nine slot. She will get the opportunities because of the players around her and I'm sure she'll be a success there. Um, Caroline, we still got that grumpy goal celeb slate on Twitter. <laughs> you really want that changed. Is this your, Listen, your mission in life to get them to change I think, it? I think it must have become a long running joke because anyone who scores a goal like that doesn't need to look as grumpy and as less enthused to have scored such a great goal on their Twitter feed as she does. So I, I would like some answers, please, Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we have a word on Birmingham as well? Because I thought that this was one of the few performances from the bits that I've seen and the bits that I've read that they started to click a bit more. 
and it was always going to take time. I think they had such an overhaul of, of their squad in the summer. Uh, they had to bring so many new players in. It was always going to take a little bit of time for them to gel and to be able to, I guess, to get to know each other as well. You know, ultimately, when you have so many different players leaving and then a whole new bunch coming in, ultimately, you have to learn, you know, the players' strengths and weaknesses. You have to know what, you know, what suits them and, and their best role within the team. So I think it was always going to take Birmingham a little bit of time. I did tip them as one of the, the teams that I felt would maybe struggle a little bit this year because of the overhaul of the squad. But yeah, look, to lose 2-1 at Manchester City is is not a disgrace. Their focus is trying to get more points in the league. They got their first win a couple of weeks ago and ultimately they need to try and push on and, and try and build on that. I don't think the Continental Cup is necessarily a priority for them. Right, on to Reading and West Ham, where West Ham won 1-0. Um, they ended Reading's 100% start to the Conti Cup, but the only goal of the game from Alicia Lehman in the second half, um, them, their first win in the competition. Alicia, by the way, loving scoring against Reading, Kate. That was her first yeah. fourth goal in three matches. Yeah, and it was a show of skills from all involved, really, for her goal. Great delivery by goalkeeper Anna Morehouse, flipped on by Tessel Middag, picked up by Leanne Kiernan, who found Lehman with pinpoint precision. So it was a lovely goal. And I think Lehman could have had more in this game as well, it was a pretty cagey affair. Um, Lehman had a good chance in the first half, hitting the crossbar and another one midway through the second half, but she went wide with that one. Interesting from Matt Beard, though, um, he started off with a different formation of 3-4-3, but he did go to five at the back after half time as well. And he just said that he wanted to have a little tinker around, really, when he um, spoke about it after the game. So a good one for West Ham, this one, Kieran. What's your take on them? Because they've been so topsy-turvy so far this season. Yeah. Yeah, they're the hardest team in the league to predict, I think. And when I went down to Rush Green, their training ground, and spoke to Matt for the, the piece that we talked about earlier, you know, he, he is very open about the fact that they're a little bit inconsistent at the moment. Um, and I think that's something that he's trying to get his head round and, and trying to find a way to make them more consistent because there's no denying that that team has an awful lot of talent. Players like Alicia, who who is a Swiss international and has really settled into the Women's Super League very quickly, despite only being, what, 20 years old. To be able to attract a player of Kenza Dali's uh, ability, you know, France international is, you know, she would fit into most teams in yeah. the Women's Super League. You must read the Kenza Dali interview that Susie Rack's done for The Guardian, yeah, by the way. Good. It's a fantastic piece. Yeah, very, very good. And and I think that they may be in a little bit of a, a similar situation to a team like Birmingham, where they, they have a number of new players and they kind of need to gel and they need to get mm. used to each other. And it's almost maybe a little bit more difficult because, as I mentioned, they have you know 16 players from overseas speaking, I think it's eight different languages. <laughs> it's insane, uh, isn't it? So, you know, they, they need a little bit of time, but they've got talent. And um, I, I think Defensively, I was a little bit critical of West Ham last year. Uh, I think they they were maybe they struggled a little bit, but I think they've been a little bit better this year. And you know, Jilly Flaherty was missing at the weekend. I'm sure it will be a big boost when she comes back. And yeah. uh, I think you know they're they're just outside those top four or five teams. Well, Jilly will be back for the Women's Football Weekend in less than a couple of weeks, actually. West Ham also without leading scorer Martha Thomas for that game against Reading, but uh, she should be back soon. She's got a foot issue. It's taken her out of contention for Scotland. Um, let's move on then to Brighton-Arsenal. Quite a dramatic one, this one in the end. Arsenal's perfect start in the Conti Cup came to an end for this one. They remained top of Group B despite dropping points. The game ended goalless after 90 minutes, uh, heading straight to penalties where Hope Powell's side won 4-2. That saw the Seagulls collect two points for a draw and a penalty win. And of course, Arsenal get a point for that one. So what was it about Brighton that they clinched in this match to be able to see it through to 0-0 at 
full-time lens. Well, I, I felt, and I don't know whether you're going to agree with me, Kieran, that they were way better in terms of organisation. And I felt that they had the measure of Arsenal and where their threats were coming from. And I think that's Hope Powell identifying those. They were very difficult to break down. They didn't really let Arsenal have the width of the pitch like we're used to seeing. And that was one of the things that struck me. Yeah, the result didn't surprise me. Uh, I think, you know, let's not forget that Brighton held Chelsea in the league earlier this season and it's very hope pal to set up a, a well-organised defence and a well-organised block to, to try and you know keep out the opposition. Um, I know having spoken to, to some of her former England internationals that at times they felt maybe she went in a little bit defensive but it's hope strength. You know, Ultimately mm. that's one of the areas that she has always been quite successful in almost frustrating the opposition mm. and, and you know Brighton have to do that. If you look at the 11s of the two teams that went out on, on Sunday it's not easy to come up against the team of internationals that Arsenal have so you have to almost dig in a little bit and play a little bit more defensive than maybe you would like to but I think credit to them you know to, mm. to hold not just to draw with Arsenal but to keep them out for 90 minutes that's not easy yeah. Next up then, Bristol City won, London City Lionesses won and Bristol City did meet the same fate as Brighton against their second tier London City Lionesses. Uh, London side, they prevailed on penalties as well, 4-3 this one, despite seeing Leanne Cowan's early strike cancelled out by Charlie Wellings on the hours. So I think one thing to say here, Bristol, they wanted to continue that good form that they've had in the competition. Uh, they won both their first two games, but they couldn't maintain that. No, and I think, you know, despite their best efforts, some good substitutions at, at half-time from Tanya Oxtoby and Bristol City. She brought on Flo Allen, Carla Humphrey and Abby Harrison, and that meant that the scores went level, Charlie Wellings, as you said, with that goal. But they couldn't finish the job off, really. I think that that was the issue. And credit to London City Lionesses as well, Kieran. Um, still without a permanent manager, aren't they, after sacking Chris Phillips after just six league games? Yeah, we're still trying to get our head around London City Lionesses a little bit. We had a media day with them just before the season started to be introduced to some of the players because obviously they essentially overhauled the whole squad and mm. um, you know they were Millwall Lionesses before and there was a big hoo-ha over the big change and, and this, the licence being transferred to, to London City Lionesses so yeah not not sure about the decision over the, the head coach it kind of came out of the blue they're doing well in the championship I'm not really yeah, sure what the expe- yeah, now, yeah. I'm not sure what the expectations were before the season mm. started so there's clearly more to it than that but yeah look a good result for them against the Women's Super League side they clearly have a lot of talent in their team some good championship experience in that side a couple of players that have played in the Women's Super League as well good result for them yeah keeper Lucy Thomas was the heroine really for London City Lionesses pulling off two penalty saves from Carla Humphrey and Olivia Chance Everton nil, Manchester United 3 another result uh, Manchester United picked up a second successive Conti Cup win of the season with that dominant display away at Everton 3-0 uh, winners in Southport with goals from Lauren James Katie Zellum and Amy Turner uh, you think that this scoreline though when you look at it it could have been even worse for Everton by all accounts yeah, Manchester United continue to do what we expect from them. They're very, very solid. Lauren James is one of the best players in the league. I'm quite happy to say that on record in terms of talent. Um, I think we're going to see her in an England squad in the next year or two, without a doubt. Uh, she scored again. Uh, I really rate Katie Zellum as well. I think she's been unfortunate not to get an England call-up. Uh, I think she should have been in the squad for the Germany game, but I do understand that Phil doesn't want players necessarily for a big occasion like that who've not played before. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Casey Stoney deserves a lot of credit. As I say, I think they are beating the teams that maybe we expect them to, and I would put Everton in that category at the moment uh, and maybe falling a little bit short against the sides that, that maybe they don't. But um, look, I, I think that they, they have a chance in this competition yeah. for sure. 
Chloe Kelly getting sent off for mm. Everton, not good for them. No, I, I mean, that did pile on the ways. It could have been five or six goals. Mm. It could have been. But, you know, you have those results sometimes. They're just going to have to bounce back from it. Uh, Crystal Palace nil, Tottenham three. Next one, Kate. Yeah, well, Tottenham made it look easy uh, in clocking up a 3-0 win at Crystal Palace. Late goals from Kit Graham and Lucy Gwynn after Anna Philby's early opener. Very decent showing so far in the league from Tottenham. Then they sit sixth in the WSL. It's their first outright win, though, in this Conti Cup. We had three all-championship clashes too. Durham picked up a convincing 4-0 victory over Coventry while Sheffield United beat Blackburn 4-1. Lots of goals in that game. Rich Laverty was predicting a stern test when we spoke to him last week on the show, uh, but that was a really good result for the Blades. And in the other all-London encounter, London Bees were victorious in a penalty shootout with Charlton after it finished 0-0 as well in regular time. Well, the next round of Continental Cup ties will be played on the weekend of the 20th and the 21st of November. That'll be the penultimate group stage match. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. The Champions League was back in midweek. Manchester City and Arsenal were looking to book their places in the quarterfinals of the competition. Let's remind ourselves of that lovely music. I'm feeling all rejuvenated and buoyed up now, but not by the result for Manchester City. This will go... Uh, they they are out of the competition. They headed out to Atletico Madrid with all to play for, one all from the first leg, but that dangerous away goal proved to be a step too far for Nick Cushing's side. They were beaten 2-1 on the night by the Spanish champions. England captain Steph Horton's first half-owned goal, Atletico skipper Angela Sosa's close-range finish gave the host control in the last 16 tie. Pauline Bremer did pull back a goal late on, but it was too little, too late for the Mancunians. Uh, they are knocked out for the second season in a row by the mm. same team, Atletico. Yeah, I think we're seeing similar patterns, aren't we, with the men's team in, in Europe, Kieran? Yeah, I, I watched, well, both legs online and uh, the second leg especially. I know Nick Cushing said post-match that he felt his team dominated. I think there were there were periods where they dominated, but I actually thought Atletico were the better team over the two legs. Uh, they have a, a very, very talented side. Obviously, Tony Duggan plays for them. A lot of people will know about her from uh, her England days and, and Manchester City days. But I, I, I honestly thought that Atletico were the deserving over the two legs uh, and Manchester City will need to find a way if they qualify next season to try and get over that hurdle because to be knocked out two years running by Atleti is, will be disappointing for them. And I think what will be most disappointing is that other than Paulina Bremer's goal and, and a couple of chances here and there, they may have dominated in areas of the field, but I don't recall them having huge number of chances. Uh, it was much better news in the Champions League though for Arsenal Halloween didn't spook them at all did it uh, they put just the 8 past Slavia Prague to win 13 yes 13-2 on aggregate I'd say that's pretty convincing uh, against their Czech opponents uh, hat-tricks for both Daniela van der Donk and Vivian Miedemar topped off with goals from Jill Raud and Kim Little you know, I love what Tom Dean spoke to Daniela van der Donk about last week on the podcast when she said that Vivian gives the side a lot of air. You can breathe with her in the team, was the quote mm. from Daniela van der Donk. that she gives yeah, to us. It was awesome. Uh, what about Glasgow City? They did it the hard way, but what a great game this was after letting their 2-0 aggregate slip. There was a standout performance from goalkeeper Lee Alexander to help them edge past Bromby on penalties. It went all the way to the wire, this one, to reach the Champions League quarterfinals for just the second time in their history. Joe Love, 12 yards, the quarterfinals. She's done it! It wasn't easy at the PC, but Glasgow. 
Manchester City are the Champions League quarter-final team once again. Five years on for the last time. It wasn't any less easy this time around, but they've done it. What a story at Petersall Park. Well, let's welcome back our Scottish expert, Chris Marshall, to reflect on that amazing result. And only the second time in history, Chris, that they've made it into the last eight. So how's this result being viewed and talked about in Scotland? Very positively. Uh, as you say, it's the only second time in history. Last time, uh, it was uh, 2015, when they were eliminated by Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I think there's a real understanding how big an achievement this is, especially when you look at the money that's now going into the, the bigger leagues across Europe and at the, the level of catch-up that Scotland was going to have to play very soon. I think I think the speed that it's going at is really quick at the moment. So there's a, there's a lot of recognition for that. The players at the end of the game were kind of half disbelief, half excited, half knew that they could do it. There's a real togetherness with that Glasgow City squad that makes them stand out. And with the bigger challenges that are to come both domestically and in Europe, um, that togetherness is really going to keep them in good stead. Big teams left in that competition. If you were in charge and you wanted a team <laughs> of the teams that are left, who would you want? Should we read them out? We've got Arsenal, PSG, Atletico Madrid, Lyon, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Wolfsburg. Take your pick, Christopher. Uh, I think there's probably a, an understanding from everybody that um, whoever it's going to be, it's it's not it's might might not be pretty. Um, <laughs> however, um, however that, that said, um, I know speaking to some of the players after the game Thursday night there's a fondness for, for them to get Arsenal because there's a, a good Scottish connection there obviously with the players that are down there from the national side um, and obviously they feel like they owe them one a little bit from, from previous campaigns personally I would love to see Leon come up to, to Peter's Hill Park in, in Glasgow and see a team like that in the surroundings of what is essentially a normally ground in Scotland I think would be something fantastic to see but yeah whoever they're going to get it's going to be a massive challenge it's, it's a long time away now it's not until March and obviously with that things can change in, in terms of the shape of the squad and what happens with the players that are there at the moment and of course Scotland as well play Albania this week in Euro 2021 qualifying Group E yeah Chris just give us a quick word on that one thoughts about qualifying for Euro 2021 in Scotland I think we're in a good position. We've obviously had the privilege of being top seeds and we've got a group with Finland and Portugal in it, both teams that we'll fancy. This game against Albania coming up is a very special one, obviously, because that's where Scotland's sealed their first World Cup play. So you've got to be positive with it. We've got a good squad and obviously we've got players playing all over the world now. Um, so, yeah, I'm confident with it, but obviously we'll see what happens on Friday night. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition with me, Lindsay Hooper, Kate Borsay and Kieran Tavum. And we're going to talk more about that international break, which is upon us. It's an extra special one for the Lionesses, who on Saturday evening will be playing Germany at a sold-out Wembley Stadium. I guess the first talking point there is how many do we think we're going to get? Because 80,000 tickets have been sold. To break the record, it's got to be around 46,000, hasn't it? Yeah, so 45,619, to be precise, uh, is the record attendance for an England home game at Wembley. That was November 2014. Can you mm. believe that? Before the World Cup in um, Canada. But those fans, as you pointed out on Twitter, Kieran Tavum, I saw it. In fact, I think it was even in capitals, was it? They have to turn up. Yes, they have to turn up. It's one of my biggest bugbears with the women's game in that people will buy cheap tickets or be given freebies and then decide on the day that if the weather's not good or they've got something better to do, that they don't turn up. The difference with this one is that it wasn't free. I'm sure there are some free tickets that have been given out, but I think it was £15 for adults. My hope is that that is deemed enough to be justified as, you know, I've spent my money, I'm going to now turn up. I think when it's a fiver or even a tenner, people can kind of decide on the day, do you know what, I haven't spent a huge amount of money on it, I'm not going to go. Uh, we want a big atmosphere. The whole point of having the game at Wembley is to see if we can fill it as much as possible so that we have more games like this. You know, as you mentioned there, it's been five years since we had the last one. 
45,000. So we're talking, what, nearly half full. It will break the record. I think we're pretty confident in that. But I think, you know, whether we get 80,000 plus turning up, I will uh, I will reserve judgment on that for now. But yes, I want people to turn up. I want it to be a big occasion for everyone uh, so that we potentially have more games at Wembley. An interesting talking point around the game, Kieran, is to do with a Manchester United player because we know how well they've done in the league. We've been talking about it on the podcast pretty much every week this season. Uh, they have impressed. And so, of course, players catch the eye as well. And winger Leah Galton, who I love, who has been sensational awesome. for them. She was being considered for these two friendlies against Germany and Czech Republic. Now, she's yet to appear for England after she actually withdrew from her first senior call-up to a training camp uh, with former manager Mark Sampson back in 2016, and that was because of a hip injury. But a really interesting way that Casey Stoney is managing this because she's only just apparently fallen back in love with the game. So the underlying comment there is that there's obviously some stuff that's been going on. She fell out of love with the game a little bit, is coming back now, is playing really, really well. But I think Casey very much wants to manage how she's introduced back to the England fold. Yeah, it's smart management by Casey, isn't it? And and Leah didn't just fall out of love with the game. She fell out of the game. She, She wasn't involved for a little while. She had a really, really good career at Sky Blue FC in in the United States after being drafted out of uh, Hofstra University, I think it was, off the top of my head. And she lit up the NWSL. I'm quite happy to say that. She was phenomenal and and deserved the England call-up that she got under Mark Sampson. I think it was injury that meant she had to pull out of a camp. She then moved to Bayern Munich and, and that move didn't work out. And it was after the move to Bayern Munich that she decided to take a break from the game. Now, you know, I, I think it's absolutely the right thing to do if she is now playing well for Manchester United and, and wants to focus on that and get herself in a position both physically and mentally where she feels ready to play for England and she's not quite there yet then don't throw her in don't put her in that position where she's taken two steps forward and then she goes three steps back by throwing her into that environment give her the time that she needs allow her to keep doing what she's doing with Manchester United and when she and only she is ready to be in that England squad then call her up because Mm. she's her form she's good enough absolutely she should be in there on form but until she feels ready and she's you know in the right place to do that let her play for Man United let her do what she wants for them and then bring her in when she's ready. Tony Duggan back in the squad after missing England's previous two games with a thigh injury. So good news for her. Chelsea's Fran Kirby has been left out though to manage a knee problem. Neville said the best thing for Fran is for her to continue her recovery work at Chelsea. You spoke to Emma Hayes, didn't you, about that the weekend? Yeah, I spoke to Emma. You know, the reality is, is I think that that Phil talked about players needing to be at a certain physical level uh, and and clearly Fran is not where he wants her to be. And, And I put that to Emma after the game at Lewis and actually she said, you know, well, I think Phil's correct on that one. Fran is not where uh, she needs to be. Emma says that we need to give her time. She doesn't think it's going to be until after Christmas, until we see Fran really back at her full peak. And and ultimately, it's a similar situation to Leah. If Fran is not, you know, where she needs to be physically, then give her the time to get herself there. And then when she's ready, call her back in. And, and I'm sure she will be as big a threat for England as she has been in the past. We're here to look ahead to that fixture as the BBC's Tom Gary. Welcome on, Tom. A huge game for Phil Neville, really. Let's just remind ourselves of the epic things that he's been saying going into this game that means he's going to have to get a serious performance out of his side. Uh, Phil Specials, the risks we took last year in terms of rotations. I don't see many managers in world football doing that in the women's game. I've got bravery that no other coach has, so thank you, lucky stars. I think with the players we've got, we can go far. A lot of pressure on Phil's shoulders, Tom. Yes, I think the pressure's on to deliver a result, Kate. I mean, I think after the World Cup, there was perhaps a little bit of allowance for some sort of mini hangover. There was no real pressure on those friendlies. But now we've got such a 
big, exciting crowd anticipated. Uh, I think the pressure is on to deliver it so that those fans are entertained and want to come back. It's such a big chance to inspire all of those fans. And I think the worst thing would be a disappointing performance that leaves a percentage of that audience not really wanting to come again. That would be such a shame because yeah. the squad is so full of talent. It's going to be tough opposition as well, isn't it? Looking at Germany, their four European qualifier games coming into this. They scored 31 goals, <laughs> conceded none. So uh, it's going to be quite a tough task. Yes, and, and let's not forget, they're still ranked second in the world. So this is uh, a formidable team uh, and one who England have had very difficult results against in the past, historically, with, with a couple of rare exceptions, of course, and famously the, the bronze medal match in Canada four years ago. But traditionally, we don't do very well against Germany. And five years ago, when England played Germany at Wembley, of course, it didn't end well there. 3-0 yeah. defeat. And uh, hopefully we'll see nothing like that again this time. But England can be a good match for them, that's for sure. England have got such fantastic players. They just need to be confident and, and show some of the form they're showing for their clubs, for their country. Tom, what do you think is the most important thing from Saturday, the result or the performance? Because a grinded out 1-0 that's a bit of a snore fest, I don't think is, is going to, as you say, have those people coming back for another game. Whereas if it's an entertaining 1-0 defeat where England absolutely batter Germany and the Germans maybe sneak it, may well win a lot of people over. I'm just kind of interested in your view on that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more for, for, with that, Kieran, because I think um, the fact that the game's entertaining will be a lot more important uh, and also to see the England players playing with a bit of freedom and confidence I think you know it would be far better for England to, to lose say in a, in a, in a high scoring game than, than to grind out a 0-0 or, or a narrow 1-0 as, as you say because I think it's such a rare opportunity and I, I appreciate that Phil Neville will probably only be talking about getting the result and that's the professional job that he'll be doing for understandable reasons but the, I, th I think we've got a bigger picture here uh, and this is such an opportunity and I, I hope the players don't have the nerves that will naturally come with such an occasion. We really hope to see them express themselves, playing with real freedom, playing some of the football that we perhaps saw in their better displays in, in the World Cup, perhaps in that quarterfinal against Norway in particular, when they look so confident on the ball. That's the sort of thing we'd love to see on, on Saturday. I would, I'd also really like to see Phil look to cement his strongest side. I appreciate the need for rotation earlier, but I'd like to see him make a call on his first choice goalkeeper in particular. I know that both Mary Earps and Ellie Roebuck got a game in the last round of internationals, both playing very, very well for their clubs. And Carly Telford, I think, sadly, is out of the picture now because she's just not playing frequently enough for Chelsea. So I think it'd be a good opportunity for Phil to say either Mary or Ellie is my number one and give them a real run in the team now. Tom Gary from the BBC speaking to us there. And after their exploits at Wembley, it's a trip to the Czech Republic on Tuesday. So we'll talk more about that on next week's show. Well, away from the Lionesses, it has to be the worst kept secret in football, doesn't it? But Vlatko Andonovsky uh, was finally announced as uh, the man. In fact, it's quite a mouthful, that, isn't it? Vlatko seems very um, <laughs> Transylvanian to me as we've been digesting and uh, having lots of Halloween chats. But he is the man to take over as uh, USA coach, uh, taking the mantle, of course, from Jill Ellis. <laughs> Big pants to fill, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Big <us> pants. <laughs> <laughs> Have you just done a Lindsay? Big shoes to did fill. You mean, did you mean shoes to yes. fill? Big pants and big shoes is what I meant to say. <laughs> Nothing against you, Jill, and the size of your pants, by the way. Um, I'm going to call it Bridget from now on. <laughs> but Kieran, a little bit on Blacko, please, from you. Yeah, the right man for the job and, and I think when you looked at the or you watched the press conference that he did alongside Kate Markrath who's the 
general manager, they did a, a very thorough interview process and, and he came out in on top and with flying colours. Uh, very, very highly respected. Mm. Within he comes from the, Rain. He comes from Rain FC, yeah. yeah, but he also won league titles at FC Kansas City before that. So uh, he's won the title there twice. He's won the title twice with FC Kansas City and this season he was named the NWSL Coach of the Year after getting the rain into the playoffs despite mm. a horrendous list of injuries this season. Can he do the same job as Jill or better or what? Genuinely, I, I think he can do a better job. I really do. And, and that's saying something considering Jill's won back-to-back -back World Cups. Vlatko is so highly respected. You just have to look at the social media posts that went out from players, the respect that they have for him. And what's really nice about Vlatko is I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times. He's just a really nice guy as well. He, you know, there's this saying that nice guys come second or nice guys come last. He is a nice guy and he's got the best job in women's football, in my view. The US job is the biggest in the world. And hopefully they don't come world. second at the next World Cup. Not for him. Well, it'd be nice if they came second to England, wouldn't well, yeah. it? But um, no, I think he's absolutely the right man. His 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 record speaks for itself and the respect that he has from the players. And that's one of the biggest things. You know, you've got real big personalities in that US women's national team. And you have to manage that as well as you do the what's going on on the field. And I think with the respect that he has from the players, I think he was the right person and, and he'll do a good job. Everyone intrigued can get some early glimpses because he takes charge of the next games against Sweden and Costa Rica next week. Well, that is it for today's show. We've run out of time, peeps. Uh, don't miss Thursday's Offside Rules show. We're going to have plenty more for you with that. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Remember, we are on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at Offside Rule Pod. And on OffsideRulePodcast.com, our website, there's a Conti Cup round up from Jesse Parker Humphreys and a roundup on Europe as well. Martin Whiteley reports on plenty of goals in the top divisions in Germany and France. And what could be the last round of games in the Spanish league for a while with that impending strike action in the Primera Division over pay and conditions? I'm sure that's something that Kieran would like to get his teeth into another time. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Until next week, listeners. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com.